Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm BK. Alongside me this week is Scott, also known as Fordham Ram on the site. So, hello, hello, everybody. Um, also in studio this week, we have Carrie, otherwise known as AC Slider on the site. What's up, Indeed. Carrie? Hello, hello. Yeah, it's great you're actually here in person, being yeah. that, you know, <laughs> the past three podcasts have been recorded like less than a mile from where you live, and you've decided not to show up. <laughs> Hey, responsibilities. <laughs> it happens. It happens to the best of us, right? right. And uh, on the phone this week, we have Wick, live from Denver, Colorado. Wick, what's, what's going on? Hello, fellas. How are we? Doing we're well. We're doing pretty well. How are those Rockies doing? Ah, those Rockies, man. They, they, they got uh, Roy Oswald back, um, who actually was not terrible. I was I not even started. aware that Roy Oswald was still in baseball shape. Last year they had Jamie Moyer pitch, and he was so bad that Todd Frazier hit a home run without you know using his bat against him. So I'm not surprised that they tried to get no, Oswald off the uh, scrap heap. And we've already talked too much about the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> Rendering Wick mute for the rest of the podcast. Uh, I got nothing, guys. I'll see you later. Uh. <laughs> So uh, we're recording this on the Friday night before the first game of the Diamondback series. You, you hear drinks in the background. It's because it's been a long week. We're all uh, we're all letting loose a little bit here on the podcast this time. And we really, really and need to lubricate we, ourselves we before need to, we hear Tom you know Brennan what? talk about the Diamondbacks. We need to be in our element this time, guys. <laughs> so uh, let's let's start off. Um, obviously, the Reds just got done um, with that four-game series against the Pirates. Um, where we split two of two, big road trip now, um, playing three teams with winning records, including two two in the AL, the top two teams in the uh, AL West, along with the top team in the NL West. Um, what are your guys' impressions of what the Reds need to do on this road trip? Well, I think hopefully at least a 500 or better record, just based on the fact that, look, we split two of two, in Pittsburgh or against Pittsburgh when frankly, you know, it would have been nice to get three out of four against them. Uh, West coast trips are generally a bad, uh, you know, they're bad. They're generally bad juju for the, uh, for the reds, but this isn't, the even, past, this isn't even the big one. This no, it's even not. Yeah. LA, it's, wait, so is, uh, is Arizona on the West coast now also? Is it next to Denver? NL West, same thing, man. Same it's, thing. It's still, I know, it's still a West coast swing, even though Texas and Arizona are, uh, are involved. But. Western time zone equals West coast. They're exactly. late, they're late gotcha. games here. Damn it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, are half the teams in the big East actually, you know, East, <laughs> right? Are the ACC teams on the Atlantic Coast anymore? No. Yeah. What about the Big East? The, is 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 Boise in the Big East? I don't know. Is, is Xavier the, or what are you guys calling it now? Musketeer. We're in the Big East. You are in the Big East. The Big yeah, East. you retain the name. You are. Yep. All right. First topic this week. Um, we've been hearing a lot about the imminent return here of Chris Heisey, and what. We're just kind of thinking, what is he going to mean to the Reds when he comes back? What are your impressions of how this is going to go? You know, obviously, that when do they they said that they want him back for the Oakland series, which is, I guess, we're recording this on Friday, so that's when Monday. Yeah, start of next week. Yeah, yeah. I think the more interesting question. I think everyone kind of knows what to expect from Heisey. 
occasional power, you know, decent defense, mm-hmm. and not very, you know, not a great hitter, but decent. And uh, I think the m- more interesting question is what, how they'll split up the playing time. I mean, yeah. you know, Xavier Bowles played well. I think we can we can assume that. D- as much as we love him, Donald Lutz is probably on his way down to Louisville to hang yeah. out for a bit. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see exactly how they're going to divvy up the playing time. Just when you look at Heisey's reverse platoon splits against right. uh, against righties, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that I think at the end of the day, it's you know you're basically you know you may be bringing down Lutz, but you're still going to end up with two lefties and a switch hitter, more or less, just mm-hmm. based on how they perform on paper. Now, of course, Heisey bats right, but he seems to hit right. He's extremely well, rendering him basically a left Just like hitter. lefty. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if his struggles against lefties, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't know. Has he had a lot of at-bats against lefties in his career? Is it enough to say he doesn't hit lefties well? Yeah. Well, everything in his minor league career suggests that he hit lefties better than righties. It's just been since he's got up, I guess, up to the major league level where it's really kind of been uh, different. I don't have it in front of me either. I know he's got significantly more bats against righties, obviously. But um, he's, yeah, I don't think it's a large enough sample size to really say uh, that he's incapable of it. Right. One of the bigger questions here, and you know, really the Reds have been going with a platoon right now in left field of, you know, Robinson half the time, Paul half the time. And it's it's been really effective. I mean, for how, considering these are the fifth and sixth outfielders coming into the year, you know, the, the fact that they're, they're producing around replacement level, you right. could say, right? They're, uh, yeah. They're replacement I mean, level Derek outfielders. Robinson still can't hit the ball farther than his shadow, but he's getting on base at, <laughs> almost a 400 clip against right. left-handed pitching. So, I mean, if that's your if that's your backup plan, you're really sacrificing what? He's be slugging 330 against lefties. He's slugging 324 against righties, too. So he's right. not slugging at all. But he's getting on base. And right. for a guy and, with his skill set, that's all you can really ask and for. And obviously, you know, Dusty's a pretty big fan of what he's doing. I mean, he's batting him. Even tonight, he's batting him leadoff over Chew. Well, Dusty says a lot. Dusty always likes speed. And at sometimes it's to his detriment because it's generally individuals that have speed and absolutely nothing else. Right. Yeah. See Willie Tavares. See Corey Patterson. It's true. Corey this, Patterson. This, see. I mean, when you, when you put it like that, this is almost going looking like a case of Derek Robinson is Willie Tavares, but we like him. Yeah. Well, he's Willie Tavares, but. He's we're not good. paying him as much. He's, he's, he's going to base. base with a 375 on base percentage. And yeah, if he's, I mean, he's got on base at 375, I wouldn't care if he slugged 200. Because right. he's on base and stealing mm-hmm. 60 bases a year. For now. For now. And, you know, you still would like to get Xavier Paul some of those at-bats, too. Because, I mean, he's producing. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I have to figure it'll be... My, my best guess would be close to a 50-50 split between Heisey and Paul... With Derek Robinson just getting, yeah, the I very mean, rare start. Could you? Could, I mean, can you entertain the idea of a three-way platoon? I mean, is that? I mean, well, it, it, that, that's what I was getting at when we talked just briefly earlier. Is that Heisey's mm-hmm. coming back just in time for the Reds to pick up a DH position? Yeah, and I'd be interested to see, so, especially with this hamstring being an issue. I mean, what, what are the other options if they if they send Lutz down to keep Heisey? Are we going to see Jack Hanahan as our DH? <sighs> I, mean, I, I hope not. Yeah. Stuck in the DH and right. let his hamstring kind of get another you know cheap week of rest 
And then we'll kind of see if his bat picks up at all. And if it does, then you've got an argument. If it doesn't, then, well, you hit the all-star break and kind of figure it out. It's true. It is kind of a decision that we won't need to make for another week just because of the DH. You you can assume most of the time that we're going to have one of the outfielders DHing. And I know I may have brought this up before, but... You know, Dusty has said on the record numerous times that he doesn't like platoons. For the fact that he doesn't like platoons, he's actually a pretty good manager when it comes to implementing a platoon. Yeah, he's uh, doing his platoon pretty well. He's doing his platoon pretty well. He did a pretty good job in 2010, uh, you know, when he had the outfield platoon between Lance Nix and Johnny Gomes and... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, all the other friendly faces. That worked he, out. You know, for some reason, he finds a way to make them pre- perform above replacement level, uh, you know, for the, for the long run, even though these are, you know, yeah, and th- by definition, replacement level it's, players. It's almost, I mean, I don't know if he looks at it the same way that, you know, a more stat-laden manager would. I mean, he's not looking at lefty-righty splits a lot of the time. He's... The reason why I think his platoons work is because he gives guys limited at-bats to prove, prove themselves at the big league level. And so those guys are pressing a lot more. Right. I mean, there's nobody nobody in the lineup on a night-in, night-out basis is pressing more than the left fielder that the Reds are putting out. Right. I don't know. Jay Bruce in a slump can press at times. Luckily, this <laughs> yeah, we is, saw, we saw this is not one of those situations anymore, though, because he's clearly at yeah. this point, as of Friday, uh, in one of on, if, on one of his hot streaks. If only, if only we could have this Jay Bruce all the time. Yeah, there'd, yeah, be, no, there'd be no debate ever. Yeah. I, I, I still just I, it's going to happen <laughs> at some point where we do get this Jay Bruce for five sixths of the year. Right. And it's going to be just amazing what happens at the end of it, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it's this year, and he just keeps it up. But somehow, some way, somewhere along the line, he's going to have that season where it all clicks the entire way through, mm-hmm. and it's going to be t- just the best thing to watch ever. Right, and he'll be you know all star MVP candidate. 40, 40 home you know. runs. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's going to be that guy. I saw some people preseason some of the you know talking head. Sports writers pick Jay Bruce for a candidate for MVP, and I, I still, I'm kind of, you know, I, I mean, it, it's naturally not a talent thing, you right? Know, you know, he's capable right. of it, just from what we've seen, and I think that's what so, sort of those people were thinking was, you know, we've yeah. seen him dominate for a month at a time, but this could be the year he puts it together, another, and you could say that any year. That's also though another. That's a kind of player that's usually not popular with Cincinnati fans, right? He's Adam Dunn! Right. Exactly. <laughs> He's yeah. Adam Dunn, but with a good glove. Adam Dunn was the kind of guy who was the best the best player in the league 30% of the time. Right. And then the rest of it would either mostly strike out. Marty tells me he's just a rich man's Russell Brand. This year and 19 of them are home runs. How does that happen? <laughs> How does that happen? That, right. The year Same. he's having is... Awesome to watch. He might he might hit 150 and hit 35 home runs. It's slug 430. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With big, 278. Dave, Dave Kingman. <laughs> uh, big donkey. All right. Well, let's uh, let's transition here to the pitching staff a little bit and see. Um, obviously, Johnny Cueto is getting to start tonight, and in doing so, booted Tony Singrani. From the rotation to the bullpen. Jerk. 
who, which obviously we're all big fans of Tony Singrani and the job that he's done filling in for Cueto and his various um, spells on the DL. But now Johnny Cueto is a setup man, basically. I mean, he's Singrani. turned in, or Singrani, pardon me, has turned into the eighth inning guy for the Reds, which is not really, was not really in the cards coming into the year. You know, you figured it's one of those things where you'd keep him down in AAA and let him marinate more as a starter. Well, he actually but, jumped uh, full-fledged into how the eighth-inning guys perform when he was yeah. starting for the eighth-inning and gave up the bases-clearing double, which is what <laughs> eighth-inning guys have done so far this year. Hey, right. It's not him, his fault that uh, Fredo decided to load the bases. Right. That's very, very true. Very, very true. Yeah, I'm, about two or three weeks ago, I remember people bringing up the idea of moving Singrani to the pen. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking at the time, you know, this – that, that no way, you got to keep him on schedule. You're going to need him again to start. All right. And, and I was also afraid that he'd get Chapmaned, if you will, and never return to the rotation. But um, it, it, the bullpen's got to the point where I feel like this move was necessary. It, it, but it, right. it has to be temporary. It's I think it's a, it's, it's a move out of necessity though. It's going to have. It's going to be temporary. I mean, I know you know you mentioned Chapman and. The fact that he went ahead and started closing and then never returned. But, you know, Dusty is How? a counting stats guy. He likes saves. Right. Singra- he, Dusty. He doesn't care about Dusty's holes. old school enough <laughs> to where he cares about saves but does not care about holes. Right, right. And because of somewhere that. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, somewhere in the middle. You know, he's not TLR, but he's also not, uh, you know, Mark Redman. <laughs> yeah, right. but then again, I mean, how temporary is it going to be? I mean, is it until Sean Marshall gets back? Yeah, that was my question because that the, the first thing that jumped to my head when I read that was, "Oh hell, uh, Sean Marshall's in worse condition than we thought he was." Yeah. And, I mean, uh, all you know, indications are that he's. I mean, not coming back any any day now or anything, but you know, within a couple of weeks probably. Yeah, but w- since he's already been on the DL twice this year. And it's a shoulder, right? Shoulder issue, I believe. Uh, Yeah, it was like a tired arm thing. Yeah, and with those, I mean, the thing that kind of worries me, and this is just paranoia, I think, is that if Marshall comes back, he's ineffective, maybe the sore arm pops up again, and then we're doing this back and forth with Singrani where he goes to AAA to start again, and then he comes back up to the pen. I I kind of feel like... And it's... And at this point in his development, I feel like it's important to kind of keep him on some sort of schedule. So... I just hope it doesn't end up being one of those season-long back-and-forth. Heaven forbid one of the starters actually get hurt again. Right. You know, then, then, then yeah. what are you doing? Are you pulling up, uh, what, Armando Galarraga? Is that, well, is that I don't think it would Greg, be... Is Greg Reynolds your guy at that point? I no, mean, I think... The you, cupboard is pretty bare. I, I, I think at that point you make LeCure your setup guy and you get used to a lot of Manny Parra. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be that tough to get Singrani back into the bull, or back into the rotation... But At least this early on. But I guess what I'm saying is if it continues all year and then you need Singrani to start in September. Here's my argument. I mean, even if Marshall was to come back, is Tony Singrani still one of the best relievers? That you, is he still you know worthy Dusty of that will, spot? You know Dusty is will he make still one of your best 11 pitchers? I think he is. Yeah. Sadly, yes. I think, yes, yes, I think he absolutely is. is. Yeah. I think there's – I mean, I, I think that he's better than Manny Parra. And Manny Parra would be the guy – who he'd be replacing at that point. Yeah, I think he's better than probably four or five of the guys in the bullpen. You yeah, know I mean... And yeah, I mean, we're still running Curtis Parch out there from time to time. Right. Who's right. okay. 
Yeah, we, throws, don't, we don't we don't have a curse barge. He throws ninety seven with no break. You know what? I I was pretty impressed with him stuff wise. It was just, the Cubs. He just well he just got just killed his first time out against the Cardinals right. against a team other and than the Cubs. That's yeah, but the that's, Cardinals. That are was legit. a disaster. <laughs> I mean, that was yeah, a I mean, it was no different than Singrani against Alvarez, though. He hummed a fastball to Matt Holiday and he hit it out. It wasn't his fault the bases were loaded. Right. You know? Exactly. That's and wasn't right and it wasn't his fault that that was the moment that they chose for his major league debut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You Matt Holiday. <laughs> like, good luck, kid. No pressure. Yeah. What was one thing that you were wrong on to begin the red season? What's one one prediction or one opinion that you held at the beginning of red season that now you look back and say I made a mistake there? Okay, go ahead. For me, it was, and I even said this um, early in the year when we were on the air with 1450, the dudes in Louisville, um, Louisville, however you want to say that. No, I'm just saying, is that, is that the name of the show, The Dudes? Because <laughs> yeah, that is fantastic. It should be. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought with the addition of Sinshu Chu and the strength of the rest of the guys in the lineup, I thought this was a dusty proof lineup that we couldn't, there would be nothing to complain about regardless of how we put the lineup together. Uh, and then with the Ludwig injury, we uh, saw a large dose of Cozart hitting second and the complaints <laughs> warranted or not came in. So, I mean, I, I think injury and, you know, you can extend that to the bullpen. I thought this team would be so good that there would be no beef with the bullpen or anything like that. But, Obviously, some injuries have proven that to be false. So I think injuries right. kind of changed the whole scenario there. But I didn't, I didn't foresee this happening in terms of complaints. Yeah, I don't know. Wick, what about you? Well, uh, for me, I, uh, I have claimed left and right, up and down, frontwards, backwards, all over the place that I thought Xavier Paul was not a uh, major league caliber player. I claimed multiple times that he would quote unquote re pumpkin. Um, because I did not think he was anything more than your uh, your vintage Cinderella type player looking squarely at midnight, and I've been firmly proven wrong by him so far this year. Some of the metrics will disagree with that, mainly the defensive ones, but he's not Johnny Gomes in left field. He's better than that, so regardless of what those things say, uh, he's performed well enough in left field. Um, but offensively, he's uh, he's knocked the hell out of right-handed pitching so far this year, and uh, I've I've been thoroughly impressed by him. So I I, uh, I did not see that coming at all. So Wick, you would say my uh, you know absent his defensive blunders blunders he is not a pumpkin, correct? I I, I would suggest that he is not repumpkined yet. Yes. Okay, absent <laughs> his defensive blunders though, he's not a pumpkin, correct? He has not repumpkined yet. Okay, so because of these defensive blunders, would you say that technically he's a blumpkin? <laughs> All right, so maybe he's the DH next week, and we'll put Heisey back in left field. It's settled. <laughs> I, I think I think you either settled that or gave yourself some more work on the editing floor. Blumpkins and popping cherries. Reporter podcast. Oh man, do we have, do we have to put in? Ex- do we have to put in the explicit tag on this? We might. We may. I think we might have to. to. In a seventeen. 
Uh-oh. I don't know. I don't know how to do that, so... Maybe tech support help there. Maybe. In podcast land. Tech support. I don't think we've crossed any explicit lines. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't think so? No? All right. How drunk have you been? Not drunk enough. <laughs> Where's George Carlin when we need him? Right. Good point. Blumkin was not one of the seven words, man. It was not. It should right. have been. All right. Let's get this back on track. Scott. What? What was the one thing you were uh, wrong on starting the season? I haven't been wrong about anything starting this season. You have not or been wrong about, about anything. Uh, regarding the Reds? The Reds, the Reds, in, the Reds in second place right now, where they are, you, with, you know, with Ryan Ludwig not in the lineup and Johnny Cueto missing significant time, you are 100% right about everything that you thought this was going to happen. You predicted all of this. Concerning the Reds, yeah. Concerning the Reds fans, that's another thing. I mean, I know Carrie's uh, decided to uh, get a little antsy with uh, C. Trent Rosecrans on Twitter when it comes to, uh, well, let's just be blunt about this. C. Trent hates Reds fans. But uh, regardless of that, I'm baffled by them at times, frankly, because uh, a number of them seem to think that you know, Joey Votto is not good. And I know I was talking to Carrie or, a little. Or at very minimum, he's not Doing what he's paid to do. Right. He's not <laughs> he's doing, not doing what he's paid to do. And I was talking According to Kerry a little bit before his podca- uh, this podcast, and he said something that struck with a chord with me by saying, you know, at the beginning of the season, Joey Votto was arguably the least, uh, I guess, controversial. controversial player in the Reds lineup. And I thought that was extremely true. You've got a professional major league hitter who basically treats every at-bat as a science. Heck, he carries around a broken cop or a very, very well-worn copy of Ted Williams' Science of Hitting. He is exactly what you would want every single professional in the Reds lineup to be. Unfortunately, some people decide that, well, shoot, he's not hitting home runs, so he's not very good. <laughs> and mind you, these are the same people that four years ago were complaining about Adam Dunn. Well, he only hits home runs, so I, he's not very good. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that for a lot of those people, though, those are the kind of people that are very easily influenced by the local media and right. their opinions. They aren't the kind of... They aren't the kind of Fans that make their own opinions about right. what they watch. So you think they're the Brenneman youth? Brenneman, Brenneman youth. Yeah, that's I think the so much of that though is surely one hundred percent because he's got a quarter of a billion dollar contract right now. That's enough, that's definitely another thing that will play in. I think. Yeah, yeah. and going back to the idea that he, you know it's hard to imagine the type of fan that doesn't like Joey Votto. I mean, he does. Whether you're a sabermetrics type of observer or traditionalist he does everything that he, you like he, he checks all the boxes yeah he, he's yeah. you know you never see him taking a playoff you his batting average is there whatever whatever type of you know categories you want to use to judge the guy he does it all but apparently the rbis just aren't there enough for some people and that's enough to discredit him so and in all honesty i i admit especially if you look at me i never played a whole heck of a lot of organized baseball (laughs) uh i had a little league (laughs) pitching coach that used to refer to me as a loogie and would 
yell at me to throw off-speed pitches, which at age 10, nobody knows how to throw. <laughs> uh, that being said, I do recall the one thing that you learn in Little League was don't swing at balls, only swing at strikes. And guess what? The and I was talking about the most traditionalist baseball manager that you could possibly think of, which would be a redneck in Claremont County. Uh, <laughs> Joey Votto is doing absolutely everything that that manager would tell you to do. He only right. switches. He only swings at pitches in the strike zone. He only swings at pitches that he knows that he can hit. And frankly, he does it in a way in which he pitches or he. Uh, Hits pitches that go to the opposite field. That's the sign of probably one of the best hitters in the league, Miguel Cabrera, notwithstanding. Right. He's he's pretty good, and heck, he's worth two hundred fifty million dollars. He's probably agree. a steal at twice the price. All right. Yeah, and I I, I haven't gone yet. I I definitely have uh, one that I was way wrong on. So. Beginning of the season, I was all about Aroldis Chapman joining the rotation and sending Mike Leak to AAA, who, where I thought, you know, hey, Mike Leak, he's not there yet. He hasn't made the leap. He's been in the league a couple of years now. And what does Mike Leak go and do? To, I mean, right now he's at a 2.64 ERA, 1.2 WHIP. I mean, seven and three, if you like the record. Right. I mean. Here, I mean, for for advanced stats people, 152 ERA plus is all you need to know about what Mike Leake's doing. I right. mean, just he's not been an ace, but he's he's been a really really good pitcher so far this year. I mean, he's on pace for a five WAR season right now. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, he for a guy that was on the verge, he was of he was a bubble guy. The club, he was a incredible. bubble guy. They, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of discussion oh, right yeah. before the season started. Uh, would he make a would he make a good bullpenner? And you know, he, you know, despite despite what you know, my opinion was they put him in the bullpen and or they put him in the rotation. And how great has he been? Yeah, and it it still baffles me to watch him. I mean, when he's he, an all star at this yeah. point, right? When he dominates he be, a game, it's 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 really weird to watch. I. You know, some people might compare it a little bit to what Arroyo does. He's certainly not overpowering, but it's different. I mean, he—it's really weird. To I watch. see. I see what you're saying with that. He were, you know, both of those they—they ha- they have the same kind of thing when they're pitching a good game, where right. the the game is just going by really quickly. Right. And a lot of it does. Balls. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. They're not dominating or anything, but. You know, before you know it, you look up and it's you know six innings pitched, three hits. Right. One earned run, right? Seven strikeouts. Yeah, it's incredible. And you're like, he's, he's you're like, where did this come from? And he does it night in, night out at this point. Right. For, for me, he's by far the most pleasant surprise. It's one season. of those things where you forget that uh, he was at one point a first round pick. You know, he was a yeah. top ten overall pick at one point. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. So he's thirty five and twenty five with a sub four ERA. You know, right? And, uh, not bad yeah, for a guy who, went, who went straight from college to the bigs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And stole some t-shirts along the way. <laughs> he did, indeed. All right. All so right. enough of no, enough of this. Correcting ourselves. All right. What's next on the docket is Twitter questions. The fun bag. Yay! 
Actually, we we got we got a bunch of really good. The most half-hearted yay I've ever. Heard. Honestly, we got a bunch of really good Twitter questions this week, so I'm I'm actually pretty excited. Yeah, about like four. All right. Well, I mean, we got yeah. four. You know what? That's four, four times four as many good, as we got last week. Four good Twitter questions is better yeah. than it's we've better done than so far. Coop. But we but we got no Farney question this week, which I'm disappointed about. No Farney. Farney's and, busy. And no Coop. I know. Yeah. Uh, what, what's Coop doing? Uh, kicking his dog into probably a, kicking uh, his dog or kicking his TV. Did we did we block him? Is that what happened? No, we, we didn't. We have, we're the only. <laughs> we, we are the only. We are the yet. only Reds website or reporter or. Uh, you know, media entity that is yet to block BT Coop, and that will never happen. My well, we're actually four of like eleven people in existence on Twitter <laughs> that haven't blocked BT Coop. Speaking okay. of blocking, I'm convinced that C Trent Rosecrans will not block anybody because if I didn't earn a block this week, then nobody has ever earned a block. Uh, <laughs> but I'm still there. First, first question this week. First question this week is from Mike Whaley. He goes by Rose Fan on Twitter. We've, oh. we've, had, we've had him before. Oh. Why, why do you think Dusty finally got a little aggressive with the base running yesterday? We ran ourselves out of a win. Uh, yesterday? Backup catcher. He saw a backup catcher. That's the only thing I can think of. Heck, well, he that, was, that was the other day, but yeah. He had I mean, people run it all, it all on goes, Russell all Martin kind of, goes together. of all people. Well, well, the question kind of is worded weirdly. He said finally got aggressive, so implying that he I, he has been waiting for him to get aggressive, uh, but then complained about. It. I don't know. I I'm not a big. I'll, I'll admit I didn't get to I didn't get to listen to all of yesterday's game. I was at work. Yeah, but, and I mean, was there any? Here's the thing with base running. We never. You can never be certain how often a manager is making that call and how often the player has the green light to run. Mm-hmm. So you know when a guy. When somebody isn't stealing, like Sin Tzu Chu, for instance, that doesn't mean Baker doesn't want him to. Maybe he just doesn't have a read on the pitcher. And when they are stealing, maybe it's the the players making the call. So as critical as I am of Dusty, I base running, especially stealing bases, is not going to be one of them. Well, yeah. Dusty isn't generally a guy that would give the green light, but he is a guy that is a proponent of having players on first base go to third base. I mean, that's part yeah. of the... That was part of the uh, big part of the Red success in 2010. Yeah, right. was uh, you know the players going from first to third. Frankly, he's you know either himself or the Reds lineup or heck maybe it's uh, Spar at this point. Far Spar, Far Spar, <laughs> or Miguel Cairo in limited action, or when we do have Mark Berry uh, healthy, right. and our, of course our. Prayers go out to him and his family at this point. You know, uh, right. w- when they do go from first to third, you know, there's a higher probability of them scoring runs. And you know, frankly, that I don't think that has happened as much this year as it has in previous. Oh, years. absolutely. I mean, you have a guy in Shinsu Chu who has—he's only attempted to steal a handful of times so far this year. And that's that's Dusty's leadoff guy for most of the time. Right. Which you—I mean—you'd never guess that. It's definitely uncharacteristic of a, a Dusty Baker-led team. Okay. Well, um, next next question comes from Janet Kuhn at Janet Kuhn2 on Twitter. <laughs> why, is, why is Dusty not willing to use Chapman more than one inning, especially since there was talk to make him a starter? Actually, I, I think this is a pretty good question. I mean, yeah. I, I you know... There have been a couple of times, especially in the last couple of weeks, where you know you have the ability to leave Chapman in, especially if it's a tie game or an extra inning game. Yeah, and Dusty answered the question recently, and 
what he says makes some sense in that you don't want to burn your closer or your best reliever out, you know, burn him out early in the year so later in the year he's ineffective. Right. But at the same token, I wouldn't even... I think the better question is not necessarily extending him more than one inning, but letting him pitch any inning other than the ninth. So right. even if it is just one inning, if the inning or, number is the problem, there are times when the eighth inning makes what, more what sense. Is, well, yeah, what if it's a, the eighth inning and a third? Right. You know, what if there's two outs in the eighth inning, there's a runner on, right. and there's a lefty at the plate who is over 5 against Chapman. Dusty has shown that he will not bring Rolls Chapman into the game right. at that point. He'll let, yeah, that's, he'll, that's he'll let, the one thing it He'll use an injured Broxton he'll, before yeah, he he'll uses Yeah, he'll use whatever bum he wants. Yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, there. like, with the issue with Chapman is, it's not even the issue, it's the issue with Dusty more than anything else, is that yeah. if you look up and if you expect the bullpen to do its job and to get their outs and to, to, to shut things down for the last two, maybe three innings after your starter's been in there, a Rolls Chapman should be in to face... The three, four, five hitters, or the one, the two, three, four, depending on who you're playing, the best three guys on the other team's lineup. Mm-hmm. The last time they should bat, if everybody does their job, a roll of Chapman should be the one pitching to them. Right. If it's a tight game, that's and, just what it should be. But at the same time, that doesn't happen. He loves Nobody the save. It, he loves know. the save too much to do that. He loves that stat. Well, yeah, and, and, if, he, we, if, if, and I, if I can offer a bit of defense for Dusty, but, he's. Hardly the only manager that thinks this way. Oh, yeah. I, I, when's I, the last I totally that, agree. When's the last time yeah. Mariano Rivera has right. pitched since no. any time? It's, it's not a problem with Dusty Baker. It's I mean, a problem with managers in general. Yeah, I would say 29, if not 30, of the 30 managers would make that same call. Right. Thanks, no Larusa. But and, and the one guy who maybe would make that call is probably because he has a, the best healthy bullpen there is in baseball right now. Right. Or a very, very bad closer. And, you know, right. if, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. That's why, you know, people say that Dusty's a player's manager. It's because he goes out of his way to get his players those stats, right. those right. counting stats, those st- saves. Because when it comes time well, to he arbitrage. Gave, he gave Fredo that's one why of he a lives, couple years ago. That's why he leaves uh, yeah. pitchers in for five innings to get the win, even right. when they gave up seven runs. Right. You know? Which is good for the bullpen, though, in the long run. Yeah, but, at this, but even if... He would he would sacrifice a couple of runs to get his pitcher that fifth inning. Right. Yeah, but and if you end up scoring five runs by the fifth just inning, to get that you don't win, have a high probability but of winning I'm, anyway. And, but if you think about it, I'm sure the players love that. Yeah. The players have to be like, well, he's, you know, my agent is going to negotiate my next contract, and he's going to see that 35 saves instead of 30. Right. And, you know, Four he's going to get, yeah, he's going to get two more million dollars. You know, so that's... I think that goes into a lot of why people think that Dusty's a good players manager. Yeah, yeah. I think that's legit. I think that's why he has that opinion. I mean, frankly, I think he has that reputation mainly because, you know, until October, he puts players in situations where they can excel, especially when you come to when it comes to their lineup. Right. You know, you end up with seeing Drew Stubbs with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Nobody in their right mind would like to see that. Right. But he gives Stubbs that opportunity. And I think at the end of the day, that sort of opportunity parlays into an opportunity to be successful in the postseason. Because at the end of the day, nobody is shocked about any situation whatsoever uh, You know, that the Reds would be facing in the postseason. I guess uh, one piece of evidence of that would have been what Jay Bruce's 14 pitch at bat in game five of the mm-hmm. NL 
DS as much mm-hmm. as I don't like to bring up the NLDS. Yeah, I remember but that. Uh, so I, vividly. I was yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every pitch of yeah. that I was just Scott, like on the yeah. on the edge of my seat, like please yeah. hit this one. Anyways, let's not go. Bad, there. yeah, bad memories. <laughs> bad, yeah, sad. All right, and yeah, we're we're kind of running a little bit short on time, so we're gonna go to the last Twitter question. Um, last Twitter question is from M Matthew D Groves goes by M Groves on Twitter. What happens to Arroyo? Is he traded? Where does it go next season? And I think that's something that nobody is really talking about yet. I but had, as we know that you know Arroyo's contract is up after this year. He will become a free agent. He certainly won't be traded. To answer the question, there will be no. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't no make it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade him before the we season don't have the depth at the to, deadline. Yeah, to trade <laughs> a starting pitcher. But um, I heard on the radio. And this was Lance McAllister, so take it for what it's worth. That he, that someone had told him Arroyo was looking for three years, uh, like forty million dollars. Which, which obviously, which it, it ain't happening here. It, it's or, not happening here, and probably nowhere. But I would say the most I would give Arroyo would be two years. Twenty-five. No, I, I, I couldn't go uh, more than ten million a year. I, I, I'd say. I'd say two years, fifteen million is See, the most. Here's I the thing, offer. though. He doesn't put up. He doesn't put up those big numbers. Like he doesn't put up strikeout numbers. He doesn't put up, you know, a good ERA or any like a great ERA. But he's good. He, he's but valuable. he eats. He, he eats innings. Like and he, and he doesn't get hurt. He eats innings. He doesn't get hurt. And he's a known. That he that is, is going to be worth something. To he somebody. is the closest thing to a known quantity as you could have on a roster. You know he's going to go about two hundred innings. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to eat up a whole heck of a lot. And you know he's going to te- uh, keep teams in games. But if here, they're good teams, here's the he has acknowledged that once his fastball drops below eighty eight miles an hour, he is not going to be able to keep. Hitters off balance enough too. Well, yeah, you can't keep them. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's tough he's enough. Off, now. But he's already there. At the, I mean, I mean, I still, he's already I still at the point him, where his velocity is not. I see him hit ninety on a very rare occasion. But I guess the point is, he is the type of guy that if that velocity drops a mile per hour or two, you, you're you're looking at way worse than Eric Milton. So, I, if you ask me, I, I, I think this offseason you will see two contracts signed by Reds pitchers. It'll either be two of Latos, Cueto, and Bailey, or right. it will be one of them that I think they will extend. And if they can't get any of those other guys signed long-term, I think you'll see Arroyo be offered at least a two-year contract. That's a good uh, point. I, I, they, especially if you if you're, if you're if this team is willing to put Tony Singrani in the bullpen mid-season with Johnny Cueto not extremely healthy, uh, like we mentioned earlier, there is nothing in AAA that screams I can make more than one emergency spot start in the rest of the rotation right now. Um, And Bronson's earned his keep. Uh, He's going to get overpaid if we offer him that two-year contract, but that doesn't mean he can't provide 200 innings of meh pitching, which... Yeah, if he makes t- but, twelve right. million dollars, it's going to be five or six you, million dollars too much. But they're going to need those innings to be pitched. Right. And somebody, so somebody has to pitch those innings. And if you have Bronson Arroyo, who's you know at at worst he's a, a league average pitcher. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I think they prefer to spend that twenty to twenty five million dollars towards a Homer Bailey extension. And Homer's entering his last year under team control. They prefer to extend Cueto beyond uh, the 2015 option. They prefer to extend Latos, too. I think they'll they'll 
you know, send that money towards those three agents. Yeah. Uh, and first off. But if I, they can't get it, they need somebody. I, I think that, and I think they have to. I mean, they don't really don't have a lot of guys on the cusp of major league level. Yeah, they even, even if you have Singrani for next year, you need you know, at least you have, six or seven. You have Singrani, who's going to be a big league starter probably for, you know, for years to come. But, you know, you... Other than that, you have Daniel Corsino, who's in AAA struggling right now. Mm-hmm. And really behind that, you're, really your next guy is probably Robert Stevenson. Who needs another year. Who's not they even got, close. They've got to buy themselves a year. Absolutely. Right. So he's, he's probably, I mean, realistically, he's two years away. Yeah. If, if not more. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think that's optimistic. I mean, really, because I mean, he's in Dayton right now. Well, so. I guess the, the yeah. Uh, moving on, I guess the final portion of what we normally do is uh, we usually look at Joel Luckup's book, "100 Things Reds Fans Should Do Before, before They Die." die. Uh, so yeah. yeah, let's let's do that right now. And I am going to go ahead and turn to a random page in the book. <laughs> oh, and what you know, uh, I actually did not turn to a section about. Well, I did not turn to a section. Concerning a hundred things a Reds fan must see or do before they die, I turned to the page about the author Joe Luckup, whom I don't—I I believe he's humble enough not to list himself as one of the hundred things a Reds fan I would hope see not. or do. That would be really pretty horrible. So, but I'm let's talk about Joe Luckup while we're at it. Let's, what? let's talk about Lucky. Yeah. Lucky. Everybody, Just, wait, what's your favorite anyone, thing about Joel? Has everyone has anyone ever called him Lucky? I. Lucky strike. Fantastic. I, you know what? I bet Jeff Brantley calls him lucky all the time. <laughs> Give me some ice cream. I've heard stories from the from the FS Ohio booth, but never one about anyone calling him lucky. So. I think he calls him "Hey guy," that's supposed to. You know, give me ribs, even though that <laughs> right. is not in Joel's is, job description. He's a statistician for the. Hey, Joel, how many ribs did I eat yesterday? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have a metric for that? We're ribs, ribs above replacement. Ribs above replacement. <laughs> Value over replacement ice cream. Yeah. Value over graders. <laughs> Badge. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was unintentional. No. Yeah, it was. <laughs> We have to assure the podcast listeners that that was unintentional. So we're going to go ahead and do that. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know that Joel Luckup used to run Red Reporter. He was there for better, what, four years probably? Four, three, four years in charge, if not. I mean, there was, there was a time when he wasn't even in charge, but he was still writing all the content, which was pretty amusing. I mean, I've been, I've been around longer than everyone on the podcast, and there hasn't he was there before I was. So, um, obviously, go buy his book. He is a pretty smart guy. He's much more interesting than we have let him on to be, especially when it comes to his writing. He well, right. this is his second book that he's written. Yeah. Right. Actually, yeah, and do that and go buy his other book about yeah. the Wire to Wire Reds team. Because it has the longest title in history that I don't remember off the top of my head. Wire so. to Wire, the... Uh... The John Arardi story. Yeah. <laughs> he co-wrote with John Arardi, who is also excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And he is a friend of... 
There needs a to friend be like of a... Joel who's a friend of ours. Arardi's a friend of ours. We like Arardi. No, but does Arardi like us? That's a different question. I think so. Okay, well, we'll see. I, well, I, I, I like to think so. <laughs> and if, if I can continue this uh, ass-kissing for a moment on, on Joel, I would say probably the best... <laughs> Twitter follow for a Reds fan. I, He's a very good Twitter follow. For yeah, me. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know of obviously all the accounts, but I, it's the most enjoyable, I think, for I mean, someone just outside of John Fay. Fo- so, <laughs> someone who's curious about everything right. regarding the team, not just, you know, what's going on on the field right now. He gets behind the scenes. He, I mean, he knows. I don't. I mean, I, I'm sure he does. He has the same access to stats as almost anyone else. He's but, the fifth third bank he's, of he's, red zone. But he knows what he's stats as, to provide right, that are interesting. As quick, he's quicker on it than anyone right. else is, and that makes him a good follow. I think, despite being a Molar grad, despite being a Molar grad, yeah. I don't care about that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> me, me neither. Gary. Me neither. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's about time to wrap this up. Um, we obviously night, uh, West Coast uh, game threat to turn into a disaster tonight, don't we? Absolutely, we do. Yeah, because you're so, a big West Coast guy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I can smell the uh, the salts from the ocean right now. <laughs> yeah, and if if you're if you're listening and you've never participated in a Red Reporter game thread, go ahead and do that. It's a lot of fun, especially when we're drunk. Especially, and you are, and too. you know what? West Coast games are definitely the best uh, the best time to do that because especially on Fridays. people yeah especially people get a couple of drinks in them and uh, you, you learn you learn, yeah. you learn some things about some people <laughs> yeah some random internet people some, some things yes you learn some things how much they like Bubba Crosby and Paul Yanish you learned... the guy called up apparently by the Braves today did he yes good for him yeah I'm sure I'm sure we'll hear all about it yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like the Colorado Rockies right like. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. I, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I think. Um, be sure to come visit us. www.redreporter.com. Follow us on Twitter at redreporter. And you can email us at redreporter at gmail.com. Wait, that's different than what's on the podcast page. I'm where iTunes oh. iTunes is not being cooperative. <laughs> By the way. Do not reply at do not email me.com. Subscribe. Yeah, I know. I know. Subscribe at, uh, on iTunes. to Search for Red Reporter on iTunes and subscribe. We and once we that. hit 10,000 subscribers, which we are not that far away from, we will have our own jingle. Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. For, for Wick on the phone, for Carrie and Scott in the studio, I'm BK. Peace out. Good night. Bye. Bye.